Welcome, everybody, to Tokens of Wisdom. I'm your host, Dave Rothschild, a partner at Cole Freeman and Mallon, a boutique law firm based in San Francisco with one of the leading private fund practices on the West Coast. Before we dive into the episode, like always, please listen to the disclaimer at the end of the show. Nothing I say here is legal investment or tax advice. All right, big news this week as the SEC finally takes the gloves off and is coming hard after serious crypto titans. On Monday morning, we all woke up to the news that the SEC had sued Binance. And I guess that wasn't enough of a party, so they woke up on Tuesday and said, let's sue Coinbase now too. Now, we've known the Coinbase action was coming for a while, ever since Coinbase was served with that Wells notice a couple months ago. Interesting that they brought them against both Binance and Coinbase on back-to-back days. Now, there are some similarities between the two complaints, and there are some huge differences between them. So let's touch on that really quickly. The similarities... Both Coinbase and Binance allegedly sold securities to U.S. customers without registering as broker-dealers, securities exchanges, or clearing agencies. Almost verbatim language in both complaints. Being a lawyer myself, I know that it must have been much easier for the SEC to draft the Coinbase complaint because they had a nice template from the Binance one, at least with respect to those allegations. So what are the differences? Big differences, folks. Binance is being accused of committing fraud and misleading investors intentionally. There are no such allegations against Coinbase in the complaint. One other big difference has kind of flown under the radar is that a bunch of U.S. states have gotten together and seemingly collaborated with the SEC in issuing their own actions against Coinbase. So not only is Coinbase in the SEC's crosshairs, they're also in the crosshairs of a handful, maybe 10, I forget exactly how many state securities regulators for violating state securities laws too. Super fun. Well, this episode is going to focus on the Coinbase action. I don't know much about the Binance fraud and intentional deception allegations, and those to me fall into an entirely different bucket from the unregistered securities, unregistered broker-dealer, unregistered exchange, etc. allegations. If Binance committed fraud, if they intentionally misled people, lied to customers, etc., then absolutely, they deserve to be hammered by regulators. We've seen a lot of this in crypto land over the last 12 months, and it's, in my opinion, doubly shameful because these high-profile fraudsters give overzealous regulators public cover and sufficient excuse to go after the entire ecosystem writ large, even go after responsible above-board players trying to do the right thing, the compliant thing. And that brings us to Coinbase. This episode is all about regulation by enforcement and disingenuous government action. I think the Coinbase complaint illustrates that in a few different ways, which I'll get into in a second. One note, these are the super early days of this. Coinbase and Binance have the means and probably the desire to go to the mattresses with the SEC over this, and that's just what they're going to do. We could be looking at years of litigation battles. It's impossible to know where this will end. So for now, I'm just sharing my preliminary opinions on things I know today. This might all change by the time you listen to it, and if so, mm, listen anyway. So what is the SEC alleging Coinbase did? Well, it conducted a bunch of regulated businesses without obtaining the licenses required to conduct those businesses, such as being a broker-dealer, being a securities exchange, and being a clearing agency. Coinbase also operated a staking program that the SEC alleges, and state regulators allege, is in itself an investment contract, i.e. it's a security. And since Coinbase didn't register that security for sale, and its sale did not fall within any exemptions from registration, that is its own violation. At what point does something become an investment contract and thus a security? Well, that's all governed by the 1946 Supreme Court test known as Howey, 
It's called The Howie Test. If you want to learn more about that, go back and listen to episode four. If you read the 101-page SEC complaint, you'll get a whole bunch of what might sound to an inexperienced reader like reasonable justifications for all of these allegations. It lists a bunch of specific assets that are sold on Coinbase and why the SEC thinks they're securities. I don't pretend to know much about many of them. Some of them could be securities. I'm not entirely sure. As the SEC points out in the complaint, all they really need is for a court to decide that one of them is a security and they've caught their bad guy. But Dave, you might be thinking, if some of these assets are or could be securities, then why do you say the SEC is being disingenuous and overaggressive? I mean, isn't it fair? If they really are selling unregistered securities and acting as an unregistered securities exchange or broker-dealer, seems like it's right within the SEC's purview to come after them. Well, I'm glad you asked. Here are a few initial reasons. Number one, none of these are new allegations. A lot of these assets that the SEC describes in the complaint were listed on Coinbase long before Coinbase's S1 was approved, approved by the SEC when they went public in 2021. Now, if you're trolling Twitter, you'll, you'll see a bunch of SEC fanboys claiming, well, the SEC isn't really opining on the legality of the underlying business when it approves an S1. They're just opining on the validity of its disclosures. That may technically be true, but I think practically in this case, it's false. Do you think the SEC will approve Dave's Trading Corporation for a public listing if I'm trying to sell Apple stock without getting the requisite licenses? I kind of doubt it. Number two, asserting that Coinbase could have just registered in these various capacities and continued operating is so disingenuous that it borders on outright deception. Even if Coinbase got through a broker-dealer registration process, a securities exchange registration process, are there any crypto asset securities in the parlance of the SEC that it could list? Those securities would first have to register themselves with the SEC. That's not happening. It's really not possible under the current system, as has been detailed in depth by many people. Despite Gary Gensler's assertion that crypto projects can, quote, just come in and register, unquote, it's really not possible for most of them. Now, as an aside, you hear this mentioned a lot in crypto land, that it's just not possible for existing token projects to come in and register under current regulations. But people rarely take the time to explain why that is. I'm going to do it really quickly, and I'm going to link in the show notes to an incredibly detailed and well-written series of articles by Paradigm, a digital asset investment manager. I think they did a phenomenal job laying this out, and I encourage everyone listening to this to go and read their detailed explanation. But in a nutshell, the initial and ongoing required disclosures for public companies are either inapplicable to most token projects or downright misleading. They're meant to inform the investing public about centralized companies with businesses and human beings at the helm whose performance determines the value of your shares you're thinking about buying. They're designed to level the playing field so investors have all the information they need to know about a specific stock or bond they're considering purchasing. Tokens, by contrast, are often decentralized. They're governed by protocols and smart contracts, and they often have no direct management teams. Their value is often derived from the utility of an underlying blockchain, not from the performance of a centralized business entity. It's a different world, and it needs different rules of the road and different disclosures. The information that an investor needs to know about a given token project is just different than what they're going to get from reading an S1 for a public company. Until the SEC or other regulators come up with rules of the road and disclosures that make sense for token projects, many of them just aren't going to be able to comply with the existing regulatory regime. Number three, this is an example straight from the SEC's complaint. In Coinbase's public disclosures related to its registration, it includes a section of risk factors. This is very common for a public business. One of the risks mentions the regulatory uncertainty of digital assets and the fact that despite their efforts to be compliant, a regulator such as the SEC could disagree with Coinbase's analysis of specific assets, i.e., it's exactly what's happening now. 
This is a disclosure that they were required to include. The SEC says in the complaint that Coinbase submitted an S1, they gave comments, Coinbase made revisions, sent it back in. The SEC pastes the entirety of that disclosure into the complaint, seemingly as evidence to underscore that Coinbase knew that it was violating regulations. This is insane. Number four, as it points out frequently, the SEC states in the complaint, quote, Congress charged the SEC with protecting investors, unquote. Ah, my knight in shining armor, here to protect little old retail investor me from the predations of that company that it decided I could buy shares in two years ago. That's right. By approving the S1 in 2021, retail investors were free to buy shares in Coinbase. It does not seem to be so protective of grandma to let her put her retirement savings into a company that you know is operating an illegal business, and then turn around two years later and try and put it out of business for operating illegally. What happens to the value of grandma's retirement savings that she put into Coinbase shares if the SEC is successful in cracking down so hard? Number five, Coinbase has long been concerned with operating above board, i.e. they operate differently than some other players in this industry. Coinbase analyzes assets through the Howey test before listing them. Apparently, they reject 90% of the applicants they get. The SEC even acknowledges this in its complaint. It doesn't care. It disagrees with specific token analyses, and here comes the SWAT team. Number six, Coinbase discussed regulatory uncertainty with the SEC and sought guidance. A lot. Apparently 30 times in 2022 alone. No such guidance was forthcoming. Why not just engage with them, help them conduct their Howey test analysis, and comply with what you claim are supposedly clear rules of the road? Why focus the ire of government regulators on a business that so desperately wants to do things the right way? And then finally, the staking as a service is a security in itself argument. Here's the SEC's argument. Note that it is entirely independent of whether the underlying assets staked are themselves securities. What the SEC is saying is that operating a service that stakes assets, whatever they may be, on behalf of users, is itself an investment contract, thus a security, and thus should have been registered. The SEC is saying that the service of staking that Coinbase offers meets the Howey test because, one, it's an investment of money, i.e., the assets you're staking, which you continue to own while they are staked and can take back, subject to the locking mechanism of the underlying protocol. Two, in a common enterprise, which I suppose is the Coinbase-owned hardware and utilities used to run the nodes. Three, with the expectation of profits, in other words, the rewards you earn by staking your assets. I mean, you could also stake them on your own outside of Coinbase, but then you need to pony up for the computer and the utilities and buy enough of the token you want to stake. And four, from the efforts of others. Again, here, I suppose they're referring to Coinbase, even though the profit actually comes from the underlying blockchain protocol that's issuing the rewards for the staking. This analysis is a little murky even for me. Like looking at it, I can understand where the SEC is coming from. You could probably squint at that long enough and decide that that is indeed an investment contract and thus a security. But I also think you could do that with a lot of things. How about the realtor contract with the people selling my house? I think that contract is an investment contract and thus a security because, one, it's an investment of money, i.e., the money that I pay the realtor. Two, in a common enterprise, I'm paying the realtor company. It has infrastructure, employees, office space, market acumen, etc. Number three, with the expectation of profit, I am paying them because they can sell my house for more money than I can sell my house for on my own. And four, from the efforts of others, just like what I just said, their efforts are going to generate a higher sale price than I can generate on my own. So is that contract an investment contract? Does my realtor have to register this 
contract with the SEC or rely on an exemption from registration? What about my contract with the company that produces this lovely podcast you're listening to? I think that contract meets the Howey test because, one, it's an investment of money. I am paying them money for that service. Two, in a common enterprise. The podcast company has computers and production capability, employees, etc. I'm doing that, number three, with the expectation of profit. Because I could not produce this podcast on my own, and by producing it and putting it out in the world, I'm expanding my reach and potentially generating new business. And four, from the efforts of others, i.e. the company's efforts producing my podcast. I think that that contract is an investment contract and thus a security. I don't actually think that my realtor contract or my podcast company contract is an investment contract and thus a security, but if I squint hard enough, maybe I could see that. At the end of the day, it feels an awful lot like the SEC is flexing its muscle, pushing really hard to fit a square peg into a round hole, when what the SEC should be doing is using that muscle to carve a new hole that's a square shape for the square peg. But hey, maybe this will lead somewhere good. We're not getting any productive rulemaking from the SEC on crypto. Congress is paralyzed by partisan gridlock all over the place. Sure, litigation takes time, but eventually the courts do make decisions. Maybe the judiciary is where crypto finally learns what it is and what it isn't. Well, now that all that boring regulatory analysis is out of the way, it's time for the part you've all been waiting for. The legal disclaimer. In this show, I describe laws and regulations from a 10,000-foot view, and while this should be obvious to most, I need to say it nonetheless. This show is for informational purposes only, and nothing said here constitutes legal, investment, or tax advice. If you're thinking about starting a fund or you're curious about what's involved, this show is a good resource as you explore your options. But if you're going to pull the trigger and launch a fund, please engage an attorney to assist you. Thanks for listening to Tokens of Wisdom with Dave Rothschild. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please like, follow, and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. And tell your friends about us. 